Welcome to the Five Lives Podcast. I'm Brenna, and this is my story. I, throughout my entire life, have always struggled with a very, very deep sense of um, of discontentment that always stems from I'm lacking something. Literally, at whatever layer, I'm always lacking something. And what I realized as I was looking back on it and how much freedom that God has shown me through it is that specifically with my physical body and with my mind and also with my heart, Satan has tried at every single angle to attack me with this one lie that I'm lacking something. And God just kind of pulled these three things apart, how I've been attacked physically in my body, my mind, and then in my spirit, and has just shown me how much like freedom and redemption that he's brought me through. And so that's what I'm going to be speaking about are these three different areas that Satan has tried with everything in him to totally take me out. And God is like, yeah, I have different plans for you, Brenna. And um, okay, so I specifically wanted to talk about this because I feel like Satan is so good at hiding himself in our lives. That's just one of his strengths, unfortunately, to where whenever we look at reality of our situations, it is so easy to look at everything and think that it's the root of our problems, whether it be just um, like depression, discontentment, anxiety, whatever it is, when really it's always a symptom of a root cause in our life somewhere. Somewhere spiritually, it's always a rooted cause, but Satan always wants to keep us focused on the symptoms and never on the root cause of what we're struggling with. And so my whole life, I feel like I've just been circling around and around and around, trying to figure out what it is exactly that, um, that has been attacked. And so it just has been so crazy having the Lord like pull through the veil and just show me exactly what it is. So the first thing is physically in my body, like from day one, even before day one, my, when I was in my mom's womb, the doctors told me that I was um, going to be extremely deformed when I came out and they asked my mom if they could abort me. And so like, even before I was born, like that was like one of the things that first marked my life of like already like don't even let this chick enter into the world. They're like, she's going to be deformed. And my parents obviously were like, we are having this child, like 100%. When I came out, I was obviously like healthy and fine. And, um, and my parents had always prayed against like my physical body, like this, this girl will not be harmed. And, um, and so when I was about 11 years old, I went in just for my regular checkup. And um, the doctors kind of like looked at each other and they were like, she, we can't approve her physical. She needs to go get x-rays on her spine. And, um, and so I remember not thinking anything of it. And then going to a chiropractor and then like taking my parents, sitting them in this room and hung my x-rays up on the little lighted board and just feeling this like absolute like, like I guess fear is like the only word that I can describe because I actually have it here so you guys can have a little visual. Um, like, here it is. Can I get this right here? So this was my little x-ray from when I was like 11. I don't know if you guys can see it, but essentially they, can you see? Um, so essentially the doctors were like, they're like, we don't know how our spine got like this, it's contorted in four different ways. It has these like crazy curves. Her hips are out of alignment. Her neck isn't where it's supposed to be. Like, we don't know how this happens so quickly. Like she needs to go, she, this is too much for a brace. She needs to have like straight up spinal surgery. 
And my parents were like horrified. Obviously, I had no idea what was going on. And um, my parents and I like sat down for a couple months and like contemplated the surgery, which was hundreds of thousands of dollars and was so invasive. The recovery time is four to five years, especially when you're young and that age, even though your body's pretty resilient, it's such an invasive surgery to where like your body does not recover. And we sat down, me and my parents, and prayed so hard, like, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we felt the Lord say, do not get the surgery. I will heal her. Like, I remember specifically being in seventh grade and being like, I think, I think at some point God's going to heal me. And I don't know. I also trust that my parents are hearing the same thing. So seventh grade, I'm like, okay, I got this thing going on inside my body. I have no idea what it is, but we are just like, I'm going to be waiting on the Lord's healing in that. And so a couple years passed by every single time in a church, someone's like, who needs physical healing? I legitimately throw bows and I run to like the very front of the room. I'm like, please pray for me. And like over the course of like three to five years, I have legitimately had thousands of people pray over my spine and for the alignment of it. And um, because at that point it had stopped me from actually doing a lot of things in my life as well. It became like, it inhibited me from doing a lot of stuff. And so um, like, By the time I'm 18 and I've been living with this for like seven or eight years, I start to um, like very, very, very deeply doubt God and every single thing about his character. I was like, God, there's just no way you can be good when you see, God, you see these x-rays. You know every hair in my head. You know my body. Like, how can this be okay with you? And why haven't I gotten healed yet? Is it Is it other people's faith? Is it my faith? Like, I mean, just down to the bare bones of it, doubting every single thing about who God is. And, um, and then like after having more and more people continue to pray for me, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm not telling any more people about this. I'm, I'm done having prayer over my spine and like, I'm, God has given up on me. So I'm just going to give up on God that he will actually heal me. So like a couple years pass and I don't really bring it up to people. I don't talk about it. I just like it obviously like it's a very like physically from head to toe, like very painful thing to carry. But I was like, I'm going to suppress this and move forward with my life. And what I didn't realize is how much like the root of doubt and bitterness in my life doesn't just stick to the one area of your life. It just it seeps into so many different areas of just like what you think is just a physical issue definitely becomes a a spiritual and heart issue as well. And so then like me not dealing with this, um, about like two years ago, I started having all these like really weird, crazy medical issues, like, um, and then figured out, went to the doctor, had very severe like anemia, then go, continue to go to doctors, find out I have hypothyroid disorder and go to more doctors and more doctors and continue to find out all these different parts of my body that are starting to malfunction because my spine is out of alignment. And there has been like a very clear choice of, of God, like of God almost offering me like, Brenna, do you believe me that I'm still here? You're living with this pain. Do you believe that I'm still here? And there is not a lot of room for truth in amidst the amount of doubt that I have carried surrounding this. And I think one of the hardest things, especially when you're a Christian, is to have pain and trial when you are, hi guys, is to have um, pain and trial whenever you feel like you are serving the Lord with everything that you have, and yet things don't really, aren't really working out for you. And it's like a very confusing thing. And, um, 
And so, um, so <laughs> a like giant, giant truth that was revealed to me about two, about two years ago. I remember um, being with one of my friends and just sitting there being so angry with God that he hadn't healed me yet and m- making my entire faith contingent upon Lord. If you don't heal this, then I'm not in this with you. And that I think is something that Satan tries to do with us is that we make our entire faith dependent upon this one thing that <laughs> dependent upon this one thing, this one blessing, this one thing that we want God to see through or we're out of it. And that is kind of what this whole like healing thing has been. It's like, man, every other part of my life can come under alignment. But like if this thing doesn't come true, if God's not going to heal me, then like, sorry, God, my faith with you, I'm shook. Like there's nothing that I can do about it. And it was like I was holding something against God. And, um, and so when I was talking with my friend, I was just expressing how angry I was with God, how I don't think he is who he says he is. And with so much love, she says this to me, and I don't even know how, because when I look back, these words are so truthful, but almost harsh, but incredible. She was like, Brenna, I, I want to validate how much pain you're in. But I do want you to realize that you are focusing, you are so honed in on a water droplet when you have the waterfall. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And she was like, Brenna, you have been given the full freedom, the full promise of healing and a whole and restored body because you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you have eternal life. Therefore, like you have the whole waterfall and you're upset because this one like minuscule droplet of water isn't coming your way. When you, if you were to open up your eyes, expand your vision, you would see a waterfall there. And like, she's, that's what you're searching for. You're such, you're searching for like everlasting life and you have it. And the realization is that your scope is so small. She's like, if you make your, um, if your whole life contingent upon this one thing happening or not happening, like you will never be happy and you will never be able to fully serve God. She was like, I once again, validate, but it is so important for you to realize that you have the fullness of God and his intention for you is complete restoration and complete healing, body, mind, and soul. And you already have it. The only difference is, are you realizing it or not? That you already have the full possession of that. And it just like, that truth, it was so like, that's how truth feels sometimes. It feels so harsh whenever it goes down. And um, it made me realize, I'm like, God, this can't be it. Like, this cannot be the one thing that keeps me from serving you, from feeling like I have a purpose, from from really like giving everything to you. Like this feels big and I don't understand it, but I think that that, that's what faith is. Cause I have, this has no resolve cause my spine is still exactly the same way as it is in that X-ray. And I'm still struggling with a lot of physical issues, but it makes me think of Paul and who is my favorite because Paul in the midst of being tortured and in prison still gives glory to God. And my, one of my favorite verses, is um, Philippians 1.19. He says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage that, um, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And that prayer is like, I don't know how to cry a deeper like prayer than that because it's true that whether the Lord decides to miraculously heal my spine, 
like that will bring God glory. But how much more so will I bring God glory if, and like in the middle of trial, in the middle of something not having answers, no resolve, am I still choosing to give God glory and to give this back to God? Like how much more so does that prove who he really is, which is the sustainer of life? And I truly do believe that whether he heals me or I wait until, you know, like I'm reunited with Jesus to have that full, complete healing. It's my decision whether or not I want to give him glory in that. And there we limit God in the ways that he can like work in our lives and show his glory. And I just always thought my whole life, God, I, I can't even talk about this issue with people until I get healing. Then it will be a testimony. And I think that like there's so many places in our lives that we put off limits as being a testimony because we feel like we're in the middle of it. But, um, but in the middle of all the trial, I think that's really where God can like do crazy work. And then also, um, show us that he is like the sustainer of life. And so like that lie my whole life of man, I lack healing and realizing, oh my, like I have the fullness of God and there is absolutely nothing that I lack there. And just having the broader picture and view on that has been crazy. And then also just relying on Paul thinking about, I literally cannot believe this man is in prison and is like, I don't care. I'm bringing God glory either way. I'm not even mad at God. Here I am. The gospel is still the most important thing. It just puts everything in perspective. Um, okay, so that was body. So the attack on my mind, the way that Satan has gotten me is I lack self-control. And this has shown up since I was a little girl. So the biggest way that I've seen this manifest in my life is through lust. So when I was about like in kindergarten, first grade, I was um, super sexually corrupted and um, like over the period of two years. And that was just like a total, total open door for Satan to like come in. And something that I wholeheartedly believe is that the places in our lives where God has marked us to be set apart, I think that those are the biggest places where Satan's going to try to attack us. So I do believe that before I was born, God has set me apart for purity, like divine purity, just to be an embodiment of that. And I am not shocked at all that this is where Satan from a super young age was like, I have to take her out. Like, this is where I, I need to attack her because she's a threat. And um, when my heart like very much so burns for the purity of, um, of your body and of your heart and mind. And so by the time I was nine or in four, yeah, I was like in fourth grade and just knew that like my thought life was totally corrupted and that this was just like a product of the heart and it just flew, it just like flowed out of that. And I was so positive. I was the only person on earth that knew what that was and just had started my relationship with shame like the deepest rooted shame, number one, as a woman who you do feel like, oh, women don't struggle with lust. Women aren't supposed to struggle sexually whatsoever. And then whenever you're in church and you always hear things about lust only directed towards men in the congregation, you're like, it's just me here. This is literally just me. And so growing up, like really what it was is a complete funnel for Satan to tell me every single thing opposite in my identity that is actually true so like Brenna you are totally worthless you are so dirty you have no value because look what you're doing you're lying to everyone you're not being a truthful person like the deep and 
horribly dirty lies that were just implanted into my mind from when I was a kid to where it's like, you don't, you don't even have the defenses yet to fight it off. And so my like developing mind just took these things on as in like, I, I want to be someone so pure. Why does this matter so much to me to be pure? But I, I can't seem to get there. And I remember just like wanting so badly to, um, for the Lord to view me as pure that I was like, okay, I, I don't want to date at all. In middle school and high school, like, I don't want to date at all. I want to stay as pure as possible. I only ever want to kiss one man. Like, God, I know that I don't feel clean, but, like, I want to try to do this thing right. And I, like, honestly tried to overcompensate for, um, for like, how truly I felt on my insides, which was not worthy of love whatsoever. And, um, and so by the time I got to high school... I was so like legalistic about sticking to this thing because I didn't want to be found out. I didn't want to be like, I didn't want anyone to know that this was secretly what I was struggling with for, you know, however many years. And so you found me being the number one judgmental girl. Like if you were in a relationship, if you messed up with your boyfriend, like I sincerely like would be the first one in line to judge you for it. And it was just a horrible thing in my heart, but it was to overcompensate how truly like I felt. And so I, um... When I got to college, I really started to learn about, number one, the fact that this is actually a struggle that a lot of women have. And um, it, number one, made me feel not so alone. And that's the thing about shame is it, it tries to get you alone and make you feel like you're the only one there. And so that's why I think being vulnerable and sharing stuff like this is very important because I think it really is something that a lot of women struggle with, but we don't talk about because we're just totally drowned in, in the shame of it. And um, so when I started talking about it more and more, I was like, Oh my gosh, like Satan, this is not cool. The way that you have smothered all these women and felt like they couldn't speak up and talk about a real issue that's keeping you from them. Because the thing about lust is it it separates your mind from your body and tells it two different monologues of like, your body needs this. Like this is what you need in order to calm down, in order to feel intimacy for whatever reason. And then it tells your mind to go completely numb. And it, it just becomes something that uh, it tells it two different monologues and they're just like, is no peace between the two. And um, and I felt that. it. I just, it ripped the two apart. And I, I felt like two different people at all times as well. And so, and during this whole time, still never dated anyone, never held hands with a boy, never kissed a boy. I'm 21 at this point. And I'm still like, need like I'm just still totally stuck in this. And um, I knew that if any other part in my life like, if I could choose one part to come under, like, alignment with God, I was like, God, I know that this is the culprit of so many things. Because um, at this point, I'd given over a lot of my, like, physical issues as well to God. And so I, um, I woke up one morning and totally, like, upset with God again. And he said, I want you to declare over your life everything that you think you're not. And I want you to out loud with your roommate in the room, I don't care if she's there, like out loud, I want you to say, in you, Christ, I lack nothing. I am completely whole. I am pure. And there is nothing that can keep me from you. All of these things I do not believe. Like they were the opposite. Like I, I believed everything opposite of that. And I knew because I, I felt like I heard the Lord's voice so clearly that I needed to be obedient to that. And so um, a little over two years ago, I started waking up in the morning and um, with my roommate in the bed next to me. And I was like, 
um, I am whole in Christ. I, <laughs> Natalie, and I am whole in Christ. I lack absolutely nothing in Christ. I am completely whole. I believe in the promises of God. Like I had every single lie that I believed about who God was, I had to start speaking over myself. And every single morning, just do it. Like I did it for about two months, just too much straight. And I didn't really tell a lot of people that I was doing it, mainly because I was pretty positive it wasn't going to work. And, um, and I just remember this one morning in October when I woke up and I started to say it and I just had like goosebumps all over my body and I felt the Lord, like just, I just felt like I felt the presence of the Lord. And after two months of saying it every single morning, I like started to believe it. it. I don't even know how to describe this moment, but when I started saying it over myself, it didn't feel like I was saying a lie. It felt like this was something that came from my heart being like, I'm whole in Christ. Like I, I actually don't lack anything whatsoever. Like I don't have a boyfriend, but that doesn't mean that I lack intimacy whatsoever. God, I have intimacy with you. Like Lord, I, I everything just started to fall into place and I started to make sense of it. And so then I just even more fervently started doing it every single morning and realizing that how much words have power over our life. Like it says that in scripture, you know, life and death and the power of the tongue. And I never really took a like, I never took that seriously until this moment a little over two years ago where, um, where I just out loud started speaking these things over my life. And I remember looking at the calendar and realizing that, um, that it had been the, uh, three months since I had last struggled and it had been the same amount of time that I started speaking that over myself. And I realized that it wasn't even like a giant effort in my heart to like, okay, Brenna, don't do that. Just don't do that. I, I always try to shame myself out of doing it, which shame doesn't ever release you into freedom ever. And, um, and I realized that the same amount of time had passed that I started speaking that over myself. And I was like, oh my God, I, this just felt like I was living out of the overflow of my heart. And I always thought that the culprit of all of my problems was the fact that I struggled with lust when really it was just a symptom of a heart just being um, like empty and off and feeling like it was lacking something, not really understanding her identity. And so when you address the heart first, everything else flows out of that. And so without even necessarily trying, um, that addiction started to break. And, um, and since then it's been two years and I have like 100% had full freedom in the area of lust to where even like the amount of self-control in my mind regarding thoughts, um, not just even like sexual thoughts, but thoughts of any kind, like there's so much peace of mind now that I, I, I don't even feel like I deserve to have I, it is insane the amount that God has um, like increased my self-control when it comes to taking thoughts captive and really feeling like Satan can't run, ramp run rampant in there anymore when I felt like I had no control over my body or my mind at all whatsoever. And so um, it is so crazy. And I sincerely think uh, like what broke that is the like that declaration out loud of breaking these lies off of you because your heart has to listen to that when you say it out loud like there's no choice there and um and you bring something to light so that like it taught me so much about really like how what God thinks about me breaking that off and it had clouded my mind so much to where since then in the past two years is really where I felt the most growth in my relationship with God 
um, just because it had, it was like poison in my mind. And so, um, during that season of life, God showed me, uh, the verse James 5, 18, which is confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And that has pretty much been a marker of my life as well. Um, to like release myself from shame and also to be able to like have that moment of, Hey, like this is my sin. This is what I've been struggling with. And, um, and actually seeing God come through on that and actually seeing myself be healed whenever I sit here one-on-one with someone or even in a group of people and be like, these are my sins. This is what I've struggled with. And, um, and then seeing God come through and vulnerability just never comes back void. And it always like is punctuated with healing and that I can attest to in every single aspect of my life for sure. Um, so then leading back into my heart, my spirit. This is like, everything always leads back to this for sure. But feeling that freedom of like, man, my body doesn't even have a hold on me anymore. Like my physical body, this isn't gonna keep me from God. And then now having my mind be released so much from the corruption of lust over a 10 year span, like God has now in the past two years actually started really, really, really working on these like deep rooted issues in my heart. And I feel like what is in our hearts are always like, since I grew up in the church, it's, it's these truths that you know in your head, but that don't ever actually like permeate down to your heart. And so you say these things out loud and you're like, oh, I totally believe God's a good God. Like I sing that in a song and I believe that. And then when push comes to shove, you kind of have this little rattling down there and a, a situation will come and try to like shake it up. And what I kind of realize is that past two years, Satan can take me out so easy, like just so easy because I realized that my foundation and like my foundation wasn't solid and who I believed God is, who he actually says he is. And so like basic root issue is that I have had such a hard time. So many things come back to this is that, um, my like childhood and, um, the way I grew up and kind of my family dynamics, there's just has been a lot of like very, very, um, like crazy things that have happened just on both sides of my family lines. And then like entering into this to where it has always made me wonder like, God, I don't know if you can be a good, I don't know if you can be a good father considering you've let so much stuff happen. And I feel like that is a big stumbling block for a lot of people that I know is if God let this happen, then he must not be a good father. And, um, and that has always been kind of something in my heart that I've never really wanted to say out loud. Um, and so something, so, uh, in high school and college, I started going to counseling and my counselor who loves God so much. I just, every single time I would come, every single session would end with, he just can't be that good because X, Y, and Z. He just, he can't be who he says he is because of X, Y, and Z. And after like, honestly, like five months of me leaving every single session saying the same thing, um, my counselor was like, Brenna, I need to be real with you. Like, I know that you can look at all these situations, situations in your life and plan how they really should have gone in order for things to go better. Like this person should not have done this then this person shouldn't have died then. And, and so on. And he's like, and I, I understand where you're coming from. He's like, but you have to remember that you only see in part and that God, your good God can see 
the past, the present, and the future all at once, and everybody's all at once, and that is the mindset that his will spills out of because God doesn't see in part, and he takes everything into account, including you, Brenna. Like, he has taken you into account whenever, like, at the beginning of this world, when your name was written in his book, like, please know that he thought of you and that he's not trying to leave you out of this, that he accidentally, he's not trying to give you the short end of the stick. And, um, and he's a good father because he can see everything at once and this is how it's weaved together. And we're not really called to understand it. It even says in scripture that not even Jesus tried to understand all the mysteries of God, which is crazy because he was God. And, um, and hearing that, what it really did was just like, there is like nothing that I can control. And that's terrifying. Someone being like um, clinging to things very closely, wanting to have control, wanting to see exactly what's in front of them and knowing what's going to happen. And, um, and realizing that like we can give up control because we know where our Father's heart is for us. And um, the verse that kind of changed that for me was um, Luke twelve thirty two. And it says, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. And if that doesn't tell you where the father's heart stands to you, then like, I have no idea what does. I mean, it is like, we don't have to have any fear whatsoever because it is his like great delight and great pleasure to give you the fullness of the kingdom. And he already has. That's the crazy thing is that he has given us Jesus. And for a long time, like my mom would ask me about once a year. Like for the past maybe eight to eight to nine years, she would say, Brenna, if you never got anything you ever wanted again, if this is all it is, if God never even spoke to you again, would it be enough for you? And she was like, and her question always was, is Jesus alone just knowing that he's there? Like, is that enough for you? And for years it was no, like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to trust him until he, I am not going to know he's real until he heals me. I'm not going to know he's real until I get the specific freedom and or until he redeems this one thing so on and so forth and like I have dreams and if if these don't come true like I don't know maybe he's not who he says he is and for years and years and years my mom would always ask me like is is the fact that Jesus exists and came here for you is it enough and it's the it's the question that really like has revealed to me my like very deep relationship with lack just in general of me lacking something and never feeling like Jesus is enough. And um, it just is so crazy how, like I said earlier, um, like we are so fully meant to live in the wholeness of God and all that he has given us. And the truths of God, the truths of God are what sustain us and who he is and how Satan will do anything in whatever way he can to combat that. And I think when I started to change my perspective to where every single thing that I've ever struggled with in life has really just tried to combat something that God has really anointed me in. So I started shifting my, um, my like perception. So man, God, I struggle with lack. That must really mean that you've called me to a life of fullness. Dang. Okay. I'm gonna, if I feel this attacked here or God, I, uh, I feel so like sexually corrupted. That must mean that purity is what you have like, so called me to Lord. My body is in pieces. Like I don't see how this is a temple. Okay. God, 
I'm supposed to live like Paul and I'm supposed to live and give you glory in life and in death. And that is one of the most powerful things that we can do for you is no matter what our circumstances are, is to push through it and look to you regardless. Like looking back on these three areas of life, it is like, it makes me so mad at Satan that he had so much control over over those areas of my life for so long. But now looking back at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the coolest thing because I know how much God has called me to and how much he's really like carved out my purpose amongst all of this. And um, like another example is I, for 10 years of my life, I grew up in Nashville, which is Music City, right? And so all of my friends, I never had, all growing up, I never had a single friend that didn't know how to sing, do music, do something super creative. And I, um, that is just not my thing. Like I, I don't have, I'm just not a singer. I was never in, like, I couldn't play any instruments, blah, blah, blah. Essentially, my focus was narrowed to where, man, if I can give anything back to this, I can't give anything back to this earth because I don't sing. I don't play instruments. I can't make a song for someone. Like, I was so convinced that I had nothing to offer the world just because I couldn't play music. And, um, which is such, like, a silly, shallow way of looking at it, um, which just shows how Satan was just can really take me out so easy. But... I, um, two years ago, again, like God just did a lot of work then, um, I was talking to someone and she was like, Brenna, I don't know why you keep on saying you're not creative. And I was like, because I'm not, I don't, I don't write pretty, I don't write poems. I don't do this. I don't do that. And she was like, Brenna, like if you're made in the image of God, who is a creator, then you're a creator. Like what, what's the problem? She was like, Brenna, like you are creative. And I was like, yeah, um, that does make sense. <laughs> that really does make sense. And started realizing, man, I can't deny that part of my identity anymore. Lord, in whatever way you want me to do that, I honestly don't believe I'm creative, but like, will you just show me these different ways? And it's been so cool in the past two years to see like random doors open up in different like industries or different ways. Like it just has looked so different. Like for a while there, I was like, into fashion and I was like fashion oh my gosh this is a creative outlet this is crazy and now I'm super into cooking and baking and I'm like another creative outlet I didn't know this like dad god dad (laughs) um I was like god this is so crazy like I didn't know that I had passions in life like who knew that making banana bread would be just so thrilling and um it's just is so crazy that I've let satan um really oppressed so many different parts of my life just because I was so convinced of a lie. And so if you get anything out of this, it notice how every single thing was someone said to me or someone brought out this truth. Someone was really honest. And um, my life has been changed by like incredibly powerful and vulnerable women who weren't afraid to speak up whenever they saw someone struggling um, or whenever they saw truth that that the other person, me, was not understanding. And so that's why I have such a heart for, um, for calling out Satan's lies because it's just, I mean, it's what's changed my life. I don't know if I could have ever, I definitely could have never arrived at all these truths on my own because God has just placed these people at random points in my life to bring me back home, essentially. And, um, and so that's really where my heart is with all of this is that I'm like, Lord, I know that Satan's going to do everything he can to keep me silent and to not expose these truths in my life and then maybe in other people's. 
and I know that he he's trying to suppress me and um, does not want me to speak about all these, but like, I'm so sorry, this is what's gonna happen because I know that that's what has been the game changer in my life. And um, if I literally can end say anything is that what I've noticed so much in my life and a lot of other people's is that we are always striving to achieve freedom um, we're always striving and we always feel like we're in the desert before we get to the promised land. And we're like, if I could just get there, if I could, if I could just have these certain tools, if I could just have these, this like one gifting, I could get there. And through and through my entire life has been a realization that every single thing I've already been gifted, God has already paid number one for all of my sins. And he's already gifted me with the fullness of freedom to where the only difference between me and being free isn't me trying to get there, trying to cut through the desert to get there. It is simply the realization that I already am free. And um, every day, speaking that over myself of like, I'm struggling, with, struggling hardcore with anxiety right now. Like, I'm already free from this. Why am I struggling with this? God, like, I'm gonna wrap this up in like Romans 8.28. And like, you make all things work together for the good of those who love you. And I'm going to send this back to you. And I know that whatever it is that I'm struggling with, I'm just going to wrap it up in that verse, send it back to you. And it won't return void because like, because you are truly who you say you are, God. Like, I know that because of like all this pain and suffering like that you took into account, he's the kind of God that's like, hey, I can't promise you that your life's gonna be easy just because you love me. In fact, like he promises the opposite. He promises that we are gonna suffer. And um, which is funny because including myself, I'm so ready to peace out whenever I myself and see other Christians get into hardships. It's like, oh my gosh, like I love Jesus and this bad thing happened, peace out. And we always get so shocked that like there's hardships here and which I totally understand. But realizing that like, whether you're a Christian or you're not, hardships, tragedies, everything will still come your way. But the difference is, is that um, everything, all of our pain gets to turn into glory. And without coming under like the total love and protection of God, like it's really hard for our pain. It's impossible for the pain to, um, to not make you feel hopeless. So like, me and all of these things that I'm either going through or have gone through, they get to be reasons of hope and they get to be turned into God's glory and God's goodness. Like it always gets to lead back to him. But if this was something that I chose not to follow, if God was not something that I have given my life to, then I so, so, so empathize with someone who has lost complete hope and someone who even wants to, um, to take their own life. Because if you've gone through everything and it's all for nothing, then like, that like, if you have no hope whatsoever, then I mean, like, I, I just so deeply empathize with that. Um, and I can understand why it wouldn't be worth it to be here on earth. But because we love Jesus, it's so cool that all of this gets to all be for something and that nothing returns void in his kingdom. And um, I think that Satan tries in every way that he can. He tries in every way, way that he can to distract us from that and make us think that what we're struggling with, especially on the surface, is the end-all be-all. It's what's gonna like determine our relationship with God. It will determine who God is. And, um, and I'm just learning so much 
in every single season that um, that we don't have to be hopeless in the midst of all of our pain and suffering, that it's all for something. And it's also for other people too. To be able, like I've realized that whenever God comes in and redeems something in my past, whether it's a week before or 10 years before, because God's timing is crazy. I literally have no idea like how he decides when and where he's going to bring something to completion or how he's going to heal something. But it is always around the same time that either I need that healing to move on to the next step that he wants me to go, or he puts me in the path of someone that needs the fruit of my freedom in order for them to move forward. And so one of the two things is always happening. So every single time I experience freedom in my life, I'm like, okay, Lord, either you're going to ask me to step forward in something really big, or you're going to put someone in my pathway that needs the fruit of this freedom. And so I think having that perspective is something that like, it just makes it worth it. It just does. And so it just is really like, that is my true heart. And something that I'm really preaching to myself even right now is like, Man, Brennan, don't forget, number one, scratch past the surface. What you're probably struggling with is not in actuality what you're struggling with. Like, what's the root here? What do you not believe about God? And um, and then really realizing that, like, okay, whatever this is, whatever trial I'm in, Lord, I can't wait to see this thing through. And so, um, yeah, that's pretty much my story when it comes to, like, being attacked, like, body, mind, spirit, and I'm sure that there will continue to be a million more stories. I know that Satan's not going to stop, which is good. It probably means that, that I'm like continuing to do something right. Because if he is hands off with me, then that means that I'm not moving forward into his kingdom. So if he's still going to keep on attacking me, then I'm like, okay, even more reason for me to fight. So I'm sure that like this is very much a work in progress testimony. And um, I don't know. I don't know what else is going to like show up in each of those areas. But I'm positive that the, the freedom that I have found in, in each of them will get me through the next thing. So that is, yeah, that's my heart. And that's my story. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for listening to the Five Lives podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at fivelives.org. This has been a production of Five Lives Ministries. Any attempt to sell, distribute, or reproduce this content without the express written permission from Five Lives and its speakers is expressly prohibited by law.